0: Welcome everybody on this holiday weekend. Glad you are here. I know we have some folks who are traveling. Hope you're joining us online today. Good to have some of our college students back in town for the holiday weekend uh, leading us in worship this morning. And my wife looks like a college student, right? Make sure she hears that. Turn up the speakers in the hallway. Make sure she hears I said that. Um, But we are so glad that you are here. This uh, This is a big day in the life of our church. Um, we, we've had a lot of momentous occasions, and some of you have been here for some of those. Maybe a few of you here this morning have been there for all of those in our church. I, I'm thinking back to our beginnings, our uh, our launch Sunday, when we kind of went public and said, hey, we're, we're a church in Loganville, come be with us, and then some of you started coming during That season, and then we got relocated to this area about two years in. uh, To our history, and some of you were here for that. Some of you helped us move furniture from where we were. I I, I had to explain to my small group the other night because somebody said. In, in our in our community group we 've been here since we were at the funeral home and I realize not everybody knows that language anymore. We actually started in a building that was built to be a funeral home. It was never actually a funeral home, but it was built to be a funeral home so if you 're new and you hear that language. It's weird, but we're not weird, okay? We, We started off in a building that was supposed to be a funeral home. Some of you helped move furniture from over there to over here, got us started. Then we renovated the back part of the building, but today we get to move into uh, a new children's ministry space, just another opportunity for us to say, man, kids are a priority to us, getting the message of the gospel to children is incredibly important. To us, and so thank you uh, for being here i just I, I want to give you kind of a little update on on kind of how things have been going and and where we 've been and if you 're new i 'm sorry, just bear with us it 's kind of like family talk kind of family business you 're welcome to be in the family. We love for you to be in the family, but I know if you 're visiting you're, j- just kind of hang with us for just a second because uh, I want us to celebrate some things and and I want to make you aware of some people who have been a part of this process going back to 2023 just to kind of catch you up on on some good things that God has been doing and is doing in our church we uh, like a lot of churches um, we took a pretty good hit during COVID when it comes to attendance and people who are coming to our church and like some churches not not all churches we just kind of slowly seen God build back Uh, what he had started in our church believing that he's got plans for us and so really since 2020 we've just been on kind of this slow progress of seeking the Lord and and being faithful Uh, this past Christmas Eve uh, we had 548 people worship with us on Christmas Eve which again pre-COVID Maybe not that spectacular a number for us, but this was the first time post-COVID we had been over 500 for uh, a, a service uh, activity at our church, which is just a just an encouraging way to end the year uh, with that 548 people coming. We had three wonderful Christmas Eve services together. Our budget last year uh, was right at $700,000, and I, I'm just going to be honest with you, we were kind of trailing behind that all year long. Like we started out behind it, we stayed behind it, we had like this one little moment where it looked like we were going to catch it, and then we fell back. Not not like way behind it, but we were just always trailing behind that number, and and uh, oh, me of little faith, we got to December and I just figured, okay, we're not gonna make it this year. We don't make it every year. Most years we meet our adopted budget. A year or two, we didn't meet it. We always control our spending. And the last week of the year, the last, like, couldn't, did you have to wait till the last week of the year, people? <laughs> I, I could have used some sleep last year. Last week of the year, we meet and exceed our, our givens. So we were at 700, that was our adopted budget for 2023. We gave 705 by the end of 2023 which is the largest general budget giving ever not post-covid ever 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 in the history of journey that's the most general budget given giving that we have uh experienced and that's your faithfulness and your generosity and your your discipline when it comes to the area of your finances and believing that that god deserves uh he has given us all things and our response is to to honor him with a part of that. Um, This process of the renovation, this has been a long process. Uh, I'm going to talk about 2023's Christmas offering in just a minute, but the reality is in 2022, that Christmas offering was also for the renovation. We, we just had drawings back in 2022. And we said, all right, this is what we want to do. And now we've done it. Now it's over there. But 2022, that Christmas offering was going towards the renovation. 2021's Christmas offering... Went to the renovation If, if you, you don't remember back that far This is what happened in 2021 Christmas offering I, I said we know we need to renovate We don't know what we're going to do We know we need to expand This year's Christmas offering is for that future expansion And you responded And, and you may be thinking Well that, that's a lot of time to get that space It is a lot of time But, but we have always tried to balance faith believing that God will always come through with wisdom. And so yeah, if we have to go a little slower so that our giving matches what we want to do so that so that we don't put a financial burden on our church then we want to do that. We want to plan well, we want to prepare well for these big expenses. So if you've given to Christmas offering 21, 22 or 23, you have financially helped What happened? I I, I want to mention some people that have practically helped in some very specific ways. We had a group, uh, they were meeting maybe started a year and a half ago, and this was just a dreaming group. We looked at our whole campus again, and we redesigned our master plan for the whole campus, uh, parking, exteriors of the building, s- the warehouse space, how we were going to be able to use that if we could build more space. It looked like it was a fun, but it was a tedious process. And it, here are the people who were a part of that process: uh, Trista Ross. Georgia Hodges, Rob Downing, Joey Smith, and Keith Daniel, and all of our staff as well were a part of that. And we just dreamed and prayed. We met with an architect over months and months and months, and uh, we, we have more plans beyond this one, and we'll, we'll show those too. We're not running out to do that tomorrow, okay? We got, we got time to talk about those, um, but we felt... Just God leading us in all of those steps and stages. I'm, I'm very grateful for that group. They kind of finished up their work of big picture dreaming. And then uh, Joey, uh, Keith Daniel and Rob Downing continued on with Dustin Hodges and Jeremy Ross. And they helped us select a contractor. Um, and kind of look over bids and uh, those sort of details. Very grateful for them. We ultimately went with Hollinsworth Construction that that has now done all of our renovation, and uh, we appreciate them. They they do care about our church. They're related to some people in our church. They're friends with many of you in our church, and they've just always gone above and beyond to take good care of us in this process. And so even though we had other bids, theirs was still... uh, uh, the best bid in getting our renovation completed, and so that group kind of helped in that construction mode and that selecting of a contractor. And I, I want to point out, and I'll recognize this person again at another time. But um, so grateful, and I don't think he's here in this service. Uh, if you see Dustin Hodges, uh, can't do these things without him. Uh, Dustin is in construction; he's a contractor. And whatever he says, I just say yes. That's, that's what I've learned. Whatever he says, whatever he sees, just phenomenal person to kind of fall back on. Um, Ray Summer also was a part of that group as we were uh, selecting a contractor uh, during that season. A couple of other people that have helped. Robin Arrington has been a, a big part of kind of guiding the look and the feel of that area. Uh, Stephen Daniel has spent days here, upgrading our Wi-Fi capabilities on this part of the building and that part of the building, and updating our security, Uh, installing more security cameras, just just so we provide a safe environment for everybody, especially our children. And I'm grateful for Stephen just donating so much of his time to get us set up with that. Shirley Waldo, Heather Long have been guiding the youth room uh, renovation that's taking place, and and that took some really big steps uh, over the weekend. All of you who helped us get moved in last weekend, thank you. Boy, that went really fast. I wasn't here. I bailed out on that. Uh, We were coming back from Texas at the time, but uh, you showed up in less than an hour. Like, you'd had everything put put in over there. Uh, One person with Hollinsworth I want to mention, and I don't think he's here, but Jeff Van has been our on-site coordinator and has just been very responsive to us and just very, very grateful uh, for his work. Okay, numbers. Uh, We are probably going to dial this in, right? There's still some, you know, last-minute things floating around Uh, This project is probably going to come in at about the $530,000 mark. Uh, for that 5,000 square feet and all the things that we're trying to do. So just a hair over half a million dollars, which I don't know about you, that's a lot of money to me. Like that's that's a pretty big number, $530,000. We're not a humongous church. Like I said, we, we're building back from COVID. Still, we're seeing God do great things the first two months of this year and the people who are visiting our church. But still, we're a relatively small small church and so we've taken those three christmas offerings we we've taken excess cash from our budget to try to pay for this renovation cash not have to borrow any money at all we have a line of credit we could dip into we'd rather just pay this thing off Um, before i tell you whether we did that or not 2023 Christmas offering we haven't updated you on. Total giving to 2023 Christmas offering, $195,275. $195,275, which again, largest Christmas offering we've ever given as a church largest Christmas offering we've, we've ever given. Towards that project, $530,000. And I can tell you today, we're going to pay for all of it cash. We're going to pay 100% of it. Your faithfulness, God's faithfulness. Um, I will say, we're going to trim our cushion a little closer than we had hoped. But we feel like it's better to do that with a line of credit possibility uh, than to borrow money and start paying interest on it. So our, our cushion's going to be a little tighter than what we had originally originally hoped. But we're going to pay cash, and we're not going to be sweating paying bills. We're going to have uh, extra cushion. Having said that, the five hundred thirty thousand dollars is uh, the floor, the walls, the paint. It's not some of the furnishings. And so you'll notice in the seat pocket in front of you, there is a Journey Kids wish list. And maybe you weren't able to give to the Christmas offering or maybe you were able and, and you're able to give a little bit more now. These are some items that we want to get in that area. We want to put TVs in every room because sometimes they use video as a part of their teaching, not all of their teaching, but they want to have access to that. Some, some rocking chairs we'd like to get, some more tables and that sort of thing. Uh, so if you want to give towards this, there's a QR code. It'll take you to our giving platform and just give towards the kids' wish list item. You'll see it when you go to, to give online or if you write a check, just put kids' wish list. If there's a specific item you want yours to go to, that's fine. Just put a note on there, I want to buy one TV, I want to buy a rocking chair. Then we will absolutely see that that happens. But if you're able uh, over the next weeks or months to help us in this way... Uh, I want to say one more thank you to our staff. Uh, Anytime you're in the middle of a renovation, it is extra time, extra stress, multiple decisions, always a deadline. And I'm just grateful to uh, Zach and Ian and Jennifer for the time and energy and emotion they have given. Obviously, uh, Jennifer had a a lot of say in what was picked out and, and how things worked. Uh, you probably already know this, but if there is anything that looks detail, that looks creative, it's Zach. Okay, it's Zach. It's just Zach. Uh, Zach has given a tremendous amount of hours and time and energy if you get a chance to say thank you to him please do. Uh, but even still, everything's not completed. We're, this is kind of our soft opening day, okay? This is kind of soft oh, holiday weekend, soft opening. If you your friends to a sunday when everything's going to be ready and completed and on the walls and looking even more spectacular than it does right now march 24th is our egg hunt that's palm sunday invite a family friend invite somebody with kids on march 24th come see the finished product and stay around for the egg hunt the next sunday's easter invite him to come sit with you at easter on march 31st Uh, But I am grateful to all of you. I am grateful to all of you, grateful to our staff, everybody that's contributed in this process. Uh, As we're in this Family Matters series and as we're opening this new space, I I, I thought we'd talk this Sunday and and, and probably next Sunday. We're probably going to have to pause today in the middle. uh, This Sunday and next Sunday about that season of life of being parent to small kids. Uh, our, our kids' ministry is birth through fifth grade, which is a huge span, right? huge span. A lot of changes happen between birth and fifth grade. I, I want to I jump in today on that, that season of life with, with little kids, like, like the beginning season. And I want to admit something up front uh, to those of you who are new parents, have little ones, or you're contemplating this. Uh, It is not made up. It is not a myth. It is reality that the early years are the most physically exhausting season of parenting. Anybody agree? Like it is the the young parents down here agree. Yeah, you're not making that up. Like if you are parents of small kids and you are exhausted, you're doing it Right? Like you are nailing it. That is exactly how you are supposed to feel during that season. Let's be honest. It is physically exhausting. For one thing, you have to do everything for the kids. Everything. You got to put them to bed. You got to get them up. You got to put their clothes on. You got to change their diapers. You have to feed them. You have to watch them, like, especially if, once they get mobile. Like you can't just put them somewhere and leave because they're going to go somewhere else. You got to take them to the bathroom in the middle of eating dinner, right? There, there is a season of parenting small kids. You just don't get to eat hot meals. You just, it's like about three years, you're not going to eat a hot meal because in the middle of every hot meal, somebody's got to go to the bathroom. And if you have multiples, when you bring that one back, the next one's got to go. If you're at home, you can stick it in the microwave. You think you're being smart. Something's going to happen while it's in the microwave. And you got to go attend to that. So the microwave's dinging, but you come back, it's already cold, right? There's just a season of parenting. You don't get to eat a hot meal. It is physically exhausting, and it just goes on, and it seems like it goes on and on and on, right? People, people like me who are, who, are, who are past that phase, we will say things to you like, oh, you're going to miss those things. Oh, you're gonna miss you're going to miss this season. You, you you're gonna you're gonna wish you could go back there. Let me just tell you, there's some things you're not gonna miss. You are not gonna miss some of those things. Now you're gonna miss you're gonna miss how sweet and squishy their little faces are and the little cheeks. And you're gonna see pictures and you're gonna go, oh, I wish they were still there. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because there's a whole lot comes with that squishy face. you're going to miss some things you're going to miss the toothless grin yeah you're going to miss the way they mispronounce words but you're not going to miss taking them to the bathroom in the middle of dinner you just not. it's a whole lot about that season you are not going to miss now the good news about this physically exhausting phase is it's going to pass it's going to pass right they're going to be able to go to the bathroom by themselves you're going to be one day you're going to be able to say go take a bath and they're going to actually be able to go take a bath now you have to tell the boys to use soap but you know you got (laughs) boys need details but you're going to be able to say it they'll go do it and come back this season of being physically exhausted is going to pass the bad news when the physically exhausting season ends the emotionally exhausting season starts The real things you have to worry about starts. We have this season of physical exhaustion, and it bleeds into this emotionally challenging time of hormones and teenagers, and and the stakes get really big when they get to that age. So what I want to do this week and, and next week is I want to talk about how do you how do you use this season to build a foundation that better prepares us for the next season that's to come? And I want to say, and I'm going to say this again next week. It's not a one-to-one correlation. Don't, don't hear this as, if you do this, this, and this, you'll have a perfect teenager. Okay? Ain't nobody ever had a perfect teenager. Right? It's not a formula. And I'll get to that next week. It's not a one-to-one, but... There are, there are principles, there's wisdom that you can bring to bear in the early stages that are going to help you in the later stage. Every stage is building on the previous one, just like all of life. Like this season's getting you ready for the next season, which is going to get you ready for the next season. All right, let's take, a, let's take a quick look at a familiar parenting verse. This is Psalm 127 written by Solomon. Solomon's the third king of Israel, son of David. Solomon writes, familiar, familiar line, "'Children are a heritage from the Lord, "'offspring a reward from Him. "'Like arrows in the hands of a warrior "'are children born into one's youth. "'Blessed is the person whose quiver is full.'" Of them, quick parentheses, pause, some Bible interpretation uh, uh, recommendation. As you're trying to make sense of the Bible, keep this in mind. The Bible does not try to say everything in every verse. The Bible does not try to say everything in every verse. This is not the only verse about what a blessed and rewarded life looks like. This is a verse about a particular season of some people's lives. The Bible is not saying that if, if, only if you have children are you blessed and rewarded. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible is not saying that if you have children, you are extra blessed and rewarded. It's not saying that at all. You can be single, you can be married without kids, and there are blessings and there are rewards beyond this one. The Bible's not trying to make an ultimate statement about everything. Solomon's just talking about one case. Look, I want to talk about families and parenting. Solomon's dialed into that. And Solomon is trying to say to parents, you got to continually view your kids as a a good gift from God. There are other good gifts that other people have, If you're a parent and you have a child, view your child as a good gift from God. The grace that God has given to you by allowing you to be their parents. Now, Solomon's analogy is to a, a, a warrior or an archer. So when he shoots a bow and arrow, that's his analogy. Just kind of work with that analogy just a minute. Here's one way family parenting is like an archer. The responsibility of parents is to influence the direction and trajectory of their children. Responsibility of parents is to influence the direction and trajectory of their children. Got news for new parents. Those who have the little biddies, They're going to leave one day. They're going to launch one day. You're going to look around, they're going to be gone one day. And some of you are really excited about that, right? And, and, and some of you don't want to talk about that at all. Nope, not even thinking about that. That's fine. I'm just here to tell you, one day that little one is going somewhere. They're going to head out of your life in a particular Direction, and, and, and really, you know, the analogy breaks down to, like all analogies do. Kids don't necessarily launch just one time, right? There's not just, a, there's not just an, an ultimate, final one time they're gone, right? Parenting kids through seasons of life is kind of continual smaller launches. They're getting a little more freedom, I'm trusting them. I'm letting them go a little bit more. That leads to an ultimate leaving, an ultimate launch. This is the goal of our parenting. If if you didn't know it, the goal of your parenting is not to keep your kids at home. You will have failed. You will have failed if, if your kids stay with you for the rest of their life. The goal of parenting is to set them in a direction on a trajectory that's going to be good, it's going to be healthy, it's going to be spiritual, it's going to point them towards God. This is the goal, that they would indeed launch out into the world. And and, and if if done correctly, the, the influence that you have prior to launch is going to carry with them into their future. You think of a, a warrior, you think of an archer. When they let go of the arrow, they no longer have direct influence on that arrow. Other things are influencing. The weather, the wind. Other things are influencing. They have used all of their influence at the beginning, and that influence that they put into their child now goes with them. Again, analogy is not perfect. right? You still have in the empty nest, Faye, we've launched three, they're gone, they're out there, they're doing their thing, hopefully what we did in their lives in the beginning while they were with us is still shaping their decisions, not the only thing shaping their decision anymore, it's not the only influence in their life anymore, but hopefully we invested wisely on the front end so that our voice is still being heard in their head right in the right way (laughs) that that our our uh, impression is still shaping them you you think of an archer all the things that he or she does before launching they they have a stance they pull the, the bow back there's the right amount of tension they aim all of that happens before launch before they ever let it go They they account for their breathing. They account for the weather. All of that's pre-launch. The pre-launch work sets the direction and trajectory after launch. And parents, that's what you are. You are setting the direction and the trajectory in the pre-launch. Another thought. The influence you will have in your children's lives as they get older is often directly related to what you did with your influence when they were children. I'm going to read that again. The influence you will have in your children's lives as they get older is often directly related to what you did with your influence when they were children. That's a long sentence. Production people don't take that down. People take a note. There's two people taking notes. They want to get that whole thing. Don't take that down just yet. Like... The influence that you have after launch gets determined to a large degree by what you did with your influence when they were with you, when they were in your home. Even at the very beginnings, the relationship that you built with them, how they learned to trust you. Again, not one-to-one, right? No perfect teenager. None of us were perfect as we grew up. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be tension. But if you're a, a, a young parent... If you're in that phase, I just want to impress upon you these these years are so important. Don't squander the the pre-launch years. They're so important. The amount of influence you have right now in your child's life is at its maximum. When they're two, three, four, five, you are the biggest influence in their life and gradually... Your influence is still going to be important. It's still going to be powerful, but it's going to begin to come down and other things are going to influence them too. You, you have to maximize these early years, which is why Julie and I, when we talk about this subject, when we teach, uh, have conversations with young parents, the phrase that we're, we're always going to use is this one, do the hard work early, mom and dad. Do the hard work early. Do the hard work early. Lay the foundation." Be consistent. Be intentional. Give your focus, give your priority to raising your kids at an early age. Help them understand what healthy obedience looks like, what respect for other people looks like, how to love their siblings, how to be respectful of others, how to have the right heart. How do I have the right attitudes? Parenting at that young stage is not just controlling behavior. The reality is when our kids are little, we can control behavior. We can't. Physically, we can. We can make them do things and not do things, but they're not going to stay little anymore. Right? They're growing up, and if all you have taught them is... I want you to do this behavior or I want you to stop this behavior. They have no internal sense of how to make that decision when they get older. Mom and dad, we've got to teach to the heart. We've got to teach to the attitude. We've got to teach the why. Not just I said so. Granted, we all fall back on that at times. Like, you get a couple of I said so's. Everybody, giving you permission. You get a couple of because I said so's in parenting. But if your go-to parenting strategy is because I said so, you're not shaping their heart. You're not shaping their thinking. You, you, you're not shaping their attitudes. Right? we got to teach to the heart. We've got to teach beyond behavior. Um here's an, here's another big one. Don't waste these early years. Do the hard work early. Part of the hard work is the condition of your marriage. Part of the hard work of parenting is making sure your marriage is healthy. Making sure that your kids see, dad loves mom and mom loves dad making sure that you're providing a foundation of security for your kids in their home the reality is a lot of our kids security is tied up in the question are mom and dad okay are mom and dad okay If at the end of the day, our kids know mom and dad are okay, there's a lot of stuff they can work out. If they're constantly questioning, are mom and dad okay? There's an anxiety level that makes it difficult for them to manage the other things. And look, I'm not saying single people can't be good parents. That's not what I'm saying. We all have life stories, and life does things, and all of, that's not what I'm saying, but I am speaking specifically to those of you who are parents, and you got to prioritize that relationship. Yes, date nights are going to be fewer, and probably cheaper, right? That's just, getaways are going to be fewer, and shorter, and cheaper, because this kid's sucking up all your finances, right? Yeah. Okay, it's going to be shorter. It's going to be fewer. Don't hit pause on your marriage and then try to hit play when they get to 18. It won't work. It won't work. And sometimes we think, well, I got to do everything for the kid. Well, the kid's got to come first. I get that. I'm not necessarily arguing against that in the right place, but mom and dad got to have some first in there too. Sometimes the... The, the load of being a parent means that our marriage gets the leftovers and the problem is, especially when they're young, there's just not much left over. There's not much left over. You've got to prioritize us. We've got to be okay for our sake and for our kids' sake. You are doing your kids a favor when you invest in your Marriage. Do that hard work. Don't put it off because here's what's easy to think. When children are young, it's easy to think you have time and you'll get to it later. Always. Children are young, it's easy to think. we got plenty of time, we'll do that later. I'll teach that lesson later. We'll straighten that out later. We'll get them to stop doing that later. We'll address some of the discipline issues later. Because you're tired, right? This is the most ex- physically exhausting time. You're tired and you keep thinking, we'll do that later, we'll do that later. The problem is all of that's going to still be there later and it's going to be harder and worse. D- don't put it off. L- Same thing for your marriage. Sometimes we look at our, our, our home and our relationship and we think, well, we're adults, we should be okay. We'll worry about our marriage later. Don't worry about it later. Do the hard work now. Get to your calendar. Prioritize your relationship. And do this spiritually as well. Like prioritize what you're going to sow into the life of your children spiritually from the very beginning. Pray with my kids. I'm going to read God's word with my kids. I'm going to worship with my kids. They're going to know the dad loves God. The dad is committed to Jesus. I'm going to lay a spiritual foundation for my children. And, 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 and here's what I can tell you. Here's the, here's the tension, the struggle that we sometimes face because it's physically exhausting, it's extremely busy, but I want to promise you this if you're in that phase. If you are in that phase, I promise you we can find an excuse for our lack of spiritual commitment in every season of life it's not just the one that you're in every season of life if you want to you can find a reason not to be fully committed to your spiritual life if you're a college student we had some college students leading today if you're a college student if you're a single adult man you got all the freedom in the world you're living your life you're excited about you're going you can just go whenever you want to go it's really easy to pull back on your spiritual commitment during that season of life, if you want to. Newly married, hey, we're trying to get to know each other. We're, you know, we're taking some trips. We've got a lot of freedom. We, we want to really get to know each other before we start a family, and so we can't get too involved in church. We show up every once in a while. You got young kids, you're exhausted. You have, it, you have to pack half the house just to bring them to church, right? It's like, I, I, we just don't want to do that. We're just tired right now. And then, before long, they're doing soccer and they're in travel ball and they got school things and got this thing. And then, they, and then they leave, and you say, Well, we finally got some time to ourselves. We just feel like we want to travel right now. Hey, look, here's all maybe that's exaggerated. Here's all I'm saying. Any season of life, you can find a reason to put God on the back burner. Any season of life. Or you can decide we got to do the work now. We want our kids to know God, and that starts now. We want them to see us worship this God, talk about this God. That starts now. We want them to get plugged into a church. That means we need to be plugged into a church now. So one of the reasons we renovated this new area is because we know Kids from the earliest age need a spiritual foundation in their life. You probably heard the statistic. Most people come to know Jesus, do so before the age of 12. That's before they ever get in the youth group. Most people, not everybody, most people, highest percentage of people, when do they come to faith? When they're a child. When somebody lovingly shares Jesus with them. We're making a fresh commitment to that. We're making a fresh commitment to support your family and your kids to know Jesus. Come on, make it with us. Make it with us. Let's be a team. Let's you prioritize your walk with the Lord and we're going to prioritize telling your kids about Jesus and modeling in front of them from people who love Jesus. Do the hard work early. What... Whatever important thing, whatever it is, whatever important thing you are putting off as a parent, let's just stop doing that today. Let's stop doing that. Let's start right now doing the things we need to do as parents, laying the foundation, being involved, being intentional, and especially the spiritual foundation for your kids you bow your heads and, and close your eyes? We're all at different stages. Some of us, some of us not to the young kid stage yet. Some of us way past the young kid stage. Some of us, that's just not our life. That's, that's not where our life has, has gone. But really for those of you and you're in that phase, You're in that beginning phase, and there's a lot of fresh, and there's a lot of new, and there's a lot of tired. I want to pray for you. I I, I want to pray that you would seek after God. These are such important years when your kids are little, and we don't get any of them back. We don't get any do-overs. We don't get any of them back. These are so important. Make the most of them. God, I pray over this room, especially for parents of little ones. And all their running around and and all of the things they don't know how to do and and all of the newness that's a part of becoming a a new parent or a a parent again. For all of the fatigue, I I pray that your grace would fill those spots in their lives. God, I pray that you would restore and and refresh and, and replenish them. I pray that they would recommit to laying a spiritual foundation in the lives of their kids. That their kids would look at them and they would know, mom's committed to Jesus, dad's committed to Jesus. This is so important to them and that would become a part of their kids' lives. God, I pray for marriages, all the marriages that are here especially those who are in those early years. It's tough. It's easy to have conflict. It's, it's easy to let that exhaustion spill over into the relationship. And God, help us all. Prioritize our marriage. Love our spouse well. Serve our spouse well. That you would do great things in us. God, we pray for this new area. Pray that many boys and girls would come to know Jesus because of what they hear and what they experience in that 5,000 square feet of space. That in those rooms, they would would feel the love of Jesus because they're, they're committed, loving adults that are there with them. That in that worship room, that they would learn to sing the name of Jesus, to worship Him with all of their heart. I pray that they would learn there that you have plans and purposes for their lives and that you are going to be with them wherever they go. That we would produce generations who know and love Jesus. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.